So I'm going to talk about um, this author, John Grisham, who has uh, written a lot of popular you know, legal type thrillers. And, uh, you know, someone pointed out on, on Twitter the other day that his first novel, A Time to Kill, which became a book, as, sorry, which became a film too, um, was actually uh, based on a true story where the races in the event were switched for the, for the book. So the author himself actually has been interviewed, you know, several times asking him, you know, how did you get this story for A Time to Kill? A Time to Kill, just the book and the, I guess the movie is about um, a little girl, a little uh, black girl who gets raped and murdered in the South. Um, and her killers are, are apparently killed by the father of the girl. And the idea is, you know, should he be tried, right? Will the jury actually punish him? Right for basically killing the the perps of that basically raped and murdered his daughter. Okay, so that's what the book and film is is based off of. Well, the true story where he the, the author John Grisham says he got this idea from, and as an aside, he says he gets all of his ideas or most of them from newspapers, um, which is interesting. So he bases them off of real life stories. Uh, of course, with some embellishment, probably some creative licensing for sure. But he bases his his the main ideas or the plots, I suppose, on real life events that, that, that he reads in the newspaper. So he happened to live in Mississippi. He was an attorney, and he when he uh, he he basically admitted to going to the trial, right to hearing the the twelve year old girl. There were two sisters, one sixteen, one twelve. The twelve year old girl testified on the stand about her rape and the real life event was two white girls, you know, raped and they actually survived, uh, but they were raped and beaten uh, in a home invasion where it was a black suspect who entered the home and they were alone in their home. And so he apparently went to this trial and heard the testimony and he said he was enraged and he was thinking to himself, well, what would happen if, the father had murdered the individual uh, and then was tried. Would they get him off, right? And he actually says that while he was sitting there listening to this girl describe her awful rape, he wanted to himself reach over and murder the defendant, right? So he was feeling passionately as a father, you know, I don't know if he was a father at the time, but he was thinking, hey, if I put myself in this father's shoes, Right. If this was my daughter, how would I react? So he decided to make a book, his first book about this story. And perhaps there were other trials that he went to. But this is the one that he talks about. Right? This is the one that he mentions in several articles. Um, and it's interesting because I read a clip uh, that I think I believe I linked to here where he said he he tried to send in his manuscript of the, the 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 book that he wrote and he got like 28 rejections finally somebody somebody said they'd do it they'd publish it but 
with some edits. They had wanted to change the title, right? And it's my speculation. Now, this is just a speculation. It's my speculation that maybe they changed the races. Maybe they asked him to change the, the races in the story, which makes perfect sense to me because it's mentioned that this is a was a publisher who agreed to publish a small, you know, like 5,000 copy run of it. And they said that, yeah, our, you know, New Yorkers or people from the North, they want to hear about Southern stories. And this was, this was like in the clip from 19, whatever, uh, 80 something, I think 89. That suggests to me, right. That, that maybe they wanted to hear a, a black on, not a black on white murder or sorry, rape in this case, Mur murder in the, in the movie, in the book, but it, in the real life case, it was just a rape and very uh, incredibly beaten, but um, the two girls did survive. Uh, but, you know, would New Yorkers really want to hear about a case where, you know, this is a black crime, black on white crime, or would they say, Hey, look, let's do a twist. Let's edit this to be a, you know, white on black crime plays into the racial narrative. It plays into the Southern narrative that everybody has. Um, you could make it about race. You could, you could bring that subject in. Um, so I wouldn't put it past these people. Right? I wouldn't put past them to, to force John Grisham to change the race in the story and to say, hey, look, I mean, I, yeah, you, you observed this real case, but this isn't going to sell. People want to hear the other side. People want to hear about when the race is reversed, when it's a white on black, even if that's not what your book originally was based off of, based off this true event. And I, I, you know, I'm not hating on John Grisham, right? I'm saying he could have, he could have decided this. He could have, he could have decided to change the races himself, but I'm speculating that maybe, maybe the publisher told him to change it. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But in fact, the races were switched. So he says that this is based off of this true story. This story moved him, right? This, this rape case in the South, black perp, right? Rapes two young uh, girls under the age of 18, beats them, right? Slashes one of them, one of the girls' throat. I mean, it's amazing that I think the 16-year-old even survived. Um, bludgeon, bludgeon them almost to death, but they both survived, right? This story that moves him this much to thinking about, hey, what if this had happened? What if the father had actually killed the perp? E, we can't have that running around, right? We can't have a story like that. I mean, it doesn't look good, right? <laughs> it's like a revenge thing. But somehow, if it's a black guy doing it, it's okay. We feel sympathy, Right. I mean, I think you'd feel sympathy in either, either way. Like, you'd feel sympathy for the father. You know, no one condones. This is a type of lynching. I mean, if, if, you, if you're a father and your children are raped, um, I sympathize with wanting to kill the rapist. But that's not how our legal system is set up. Right now, this story is about, the, the film or the novel, is about, you know, well, this black guy didn't think he could get justice. So, you know, I do sympathize with that a little bit depending on, you know, when this occurred. But this was like 1984, right? This wasn't Jim Crow time. So I don't know when the, when the story, the film actually, I think, maybe places it in the civil rights era, right? right? I remember watching this film, and I don't think it was set in 1984. I think it was set in like the 60s, right? During the civil rights movement, right? It kind of makes more sense. 
to play into that that time period. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody wants to hear about black on white crime, and nobody wanted to hear about it in 1989, apparently. Uh, so you know, maybe John Grisham, he was he was smart and he knew what they would like and what they wouldn't like, and he switched the races to make a better story for his first book. And maybe he was a first-time author, so it could have been that he had already switched the races and the, the work was just, I mean, it's a new author, right? I could see why 28 different people would reject your your novel at first. Um, you know, new author, you don't know what they're looking for, et cetera. So there's, there's many, there's many, what I'm saying is I'm speculating here, but there's many reasons why John Grisham could have switched the races himself or why when he took it to a publisher who eventually said he could uh, get his work published, why they would want him to change the races. But, you know, so, so yeah, this is a work of fiction. Um, but it's a work of fiction, but it is interesting that, that he admits that certain stories uh, give him the ideas for his book, right? And it's interesting to go back and look at these real life cases that he says, the author says, hey, this inspired me. And then to find out <laughs> that the races in this case were totally flip-flops, right? It was a black on white crime that inspired him to write his first book and not a white on black crime, like the movie portrays, right? Or the novel. I haven't actually read this novel. I just saw the movie, but I'm assuming that the novel you know, the races were switched as well. So um, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, how many other movies or novels have been based off of real life events, right, that have been totally flip-flopped? The races have been flipped. I'm not saying that this can't happen. I'm not saying that the story that was invented by John Grisham couldn't happen, right? But it's not the story that inspired him. The story that inspired him was, you know, flip-flop the races, right? So I looked up John Grisham. He's sitting on the board of the Innocence Project, which, of course, the Innocence Project was founded by, you know, um, OJ's, one of OJ's lawyers who got him off. So this Innocent Project basically tries to go around and get, you know, criminals off the hook, try to prove, you know, try to retry their case. Um... Yeah, maybe some people are really innocent, right? But you'd have to, I mean, I think you'd have to have a lot of evidence to prove that, right? And um, I, I just tend to think that the justice system usually gets it right, not always, right? But, I mean, to be a, full, to be a fully funded organization to the tune of $22 million, right? Just looking for scouring cases, right? How many of these are just complete falsehoods, just lies, but they're just trying to get a guilty man off? I tend to think quite a bit because, you know, race is, is heavily involved here, right? They tend to just look for the, for the black perps and it t tends to be this social justice -y type of project. I could be wrong, but that's my speculation. Um... And I just want to bring up another guy who I who I um, <clears throat> enjoy his writing, Kirk Eichenwald. 
who I linked a video of him below where he's talking about how he got into writing books. He was a journalist writing about, um, you know, corporate fraud. He was saying that he came across a John Grisham or an interview and he said that, hey, yeah, I take all my ideas from the newspaper. So, um, yeah, that's where he gets his ideas. And then he writes these books, right? These creative stories, these, you know, fiction-based novels. But they are based on some kind of real thing that he sees, you know. Again, he, he can twist all kinds of stuff being an artist. But that's where he gets his, 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 uh, his ideas. So, um, it's amazing what art, you know, what you decide to show in the art world affects, you know, our culture, our values, you know. There could be lots of black on white, you know, films, novels out, you know, being produced because there's a lot more black on white crime than the, um, at least in the last, you know, I'd say 50 years. That's the case. But it's interesting that they never want to produce a book or, or a film, you know, based off of, you know, these these incredible stories, these incredible cases. Um. And, you know, I give, I give the author, you know, I give them, you know, artistic license, but it is just really fascinating. Say they're basing a book or novel off of some true event. And then you go look up this true event and you find that it's just the opposite of what they portray in the book, right? The races are switched, right? They... They, it was a white on black, sorry, it was a black on white crime that moved this person, this artist to write this novel or film. But yet they switched the races around in the updated story, right? Artistic licensing, you know, whatever. But they switched the races around. Um, it's fascinating, right? Because the culture is portraying one, one um, idea, right, about who's committing the crime, Right. And who's who's innocent. And then the real life. Right. That these stories are based off of that. They the author says they're based off of portrays the, just the opposite. And, you know, it's interesting that why can't they base their stories off of why can't the people who are making white on black crime novels and movies. Right. And TV shows to why can't they bait? Why can't they find an event that inspires them? that's actually based on the, tr the truth where a white kills a black, right? Why can't they come up with more events or stories that move these people or inspire them to create the films they want to create, where they want to portray, you know, a white on black type of rape or killing, right? Why can't they find these things that motivate them? Why are they, why are these things always based off of the opposite? Why are they always based off of, not always, but the two stories that I've recently discovered, <laughs> the other one being, River's Edge, as I talked about yesterday, you know, if these things were happening like black people think they are in this country and the liberal left think that they are, they wouldn't need to find a, a true story where the races are flipped to base their, their, their artistic expression or story on, right? So that's just, it's interesting. It's interesting to see when the races are actually reversed. And 
you know, maybe they, maybe he did it just to sell more books, I'm sure. Um, you know, if he's astute, right, he knew that, well, hey, this wouldn't play so well if I, if I write about a black on white rape, uh, you know, where the white father goes and murders the, the perp, that wouldn't be that sympathetic. So he switched the races, put it in the 1960s, right? And, uh, it was, I guess, a big hit. Um, so it's interesting that people, even white people, they don't really want to see this in movies. They don't want to see it in novels. Apparently, they didn't, they're not interested in black-on-white crime either. Um, and, you know, maybe it's because they don't want to think of other races potentially committing more crime because then that leads them to thinking other things that they just feel uncomfortable thinking. Uh, but this is just observing your reality. Right. And if you're not going to be able to observe your reality, if you're going to be uncomfortable with this or offended, I mean, you're, you're not able to process all data that you need to process, right, in order to survive or in order to, I don't know, thrive, if you want to use that word. Uh, you're just sort of sticking your head, your head in the sand and ignoring, you know, parts of our reality because you feel uncomfortable with either that kind of world or the thoughts that you might think after you observe your world. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't even want to think about this stuff, right? That ask me, why are you bringing this stuff up? Oh, you must have like a personal bully or something. Um, again, why are you trying to analyze me? Why don't you analyze the arguments and ask yourself why you're asking these personal questions? Uh, no one would ever tell someone, a black person, hey, why are you bringing up Emmett Till, right? Why are you bringing up all these cases, uh, you know, black lynchings or whatever back in the 20s? Why do you keep bringing this stuff up? Well, they're just observing, reading history. I think that's perfectly fine to the extent that they're not, you know, telling lies about our history. And, you know, I don't know what, when that lie might become fraud, um, but there is freedom of speech, so people get it wrong. So who's going to say what's true and what's not? The arbitrator of truth, right? That's very tricky. So I don't think anybody should be really saying, you know, that's the arbiter of truth unless you're in a court of law, right? You're trying to determine facts on what, you know, who did what, et cetera. I think you, you have to be able to find truth there um, to convict people. Or else, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, we have to have objective laws. We have to find. We have. We have to have ways, um, ob objective ways to determine if someone's guilty or innocent. That's basically determining truth, truth claims. So, truth claims should be discovered in a court of law, right? And if if you think someone lied to you, and, and deceived you in such a way, and they profited, and you were harmed, uh, or you just you were harmed, then Perhaps you have a fraud case, but that needs to be taken to court, right? There, there can't be just somebody on Twitter saying, oh, this isn't true. I mean, who are you to tell me this isn't true or who, you know, it needs to be a court of law. Now, Twitter is a private company, but when they're doing the bidding of the government, they're not acting like a private company. They're acting like, you know, an arm of the state. And that's a problem with government. That's a problem with government getting too big getting too powerful, having control over these companies. 
um, that's just a much bigger issue, right, than just saying, oh, free speech. Um, this is a problem with government that can only be fixed to the extent that you can change government's ways, you know, in getting out of dictating to private companies what to do. And I don't know how to get, you know, <laughs> I don't know the other, there's no way to, to, there's no way to push back on that other than to just pass laws, right? Or to repeal laws, I should say, that drastically reduce the size of our government.